I've been editing for you for well over a year and producing your podcast, both Anglerfish and online broadcast. And I've gotten to know Carice's voice and her little mannerisms, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and all that. But right. uh, she is a whiz at what she does in cybersecurity, right? You know what? Carice is top of her field. In, in anti-fraud and a lot of cybersecurity issues. She's top of her field on that. She understands fraud issues better than really anyone else that I know on that side of the fence. And I wanted to bring Carice in to talk about, because she is so educated on that, because she is so skilled with everything, I wanted to ask Carice the question of, hey, you're a female in this industry. Have you had any issues advancing? Have you had any issues being respected? You know, because I've been in boardrooms where a woman says something, and it's obvious that the woman is the most educated person in the room. The woman says something, and the rest of the people in the boardroom don't look at her for acceptance. They look at some other man in the room to see if what she's saying is right. That's an interesting observation. Kind of interesting. Or maybe the woman says something, and no one pays attention to that. Ten minutes later, a man says the same thing. And everyone's like, you know, that's a really good idea. We like that. So I wanted to ask Carice if she had ever encountered anything like that. Turns out she has. I'll bet she has. So that is the conversation today. The problems of women entering into cybersecurity. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast, where we navigate the dark waters of our online lives. I'm your host, Brett Johnson. Season one of Anglerfish tells the story of my rise and fall as the original internet godfather, and how I was able to turn from a life of crime to now being focused on protecting people from the type of person I used to be. This second season of the Anglerfish Podcast dives into the deepest, darkest waters of our online lives. We'll be discussing fraud and financial cybercrime, sure, but also human trafficking, drugs, cyberbullying, fake news, extremist groups, nation-state attacks, child pornography, and more. Anglerfish believes shedding light on the darkest parts of the Internet helps us to better understand the problems and find solutions instead of living in a world of fear. Welcome to the Anglerfish Podcast. Next on the Anglerfish Podcast, we have the outstanding, the great, the amazing Carice Hendrick, a personal friend of mine, a, um, a lady who has helped me out to no end in my career, and not only my career, but in becoming the, the legal person that I am, the person that I'm actually proud of being today. Uh, Carice, thank you so much for coming on Anglerfish. You're so welcome. You know, the reason I wanted you on here, I, I, we talked about that before we started recording, but... I'm wanting to talk about women entering into cybersecurity. So typically, I think the, the stat right now is that in cybersecurity, there's like 10% women. The rest of it are males. And of those males, let's be honest, most of them are white males. So I don't know if I'm right in saying this. I don't, but I've got this idea that you, we've got a lot of, and not all males are like that, but we've got a lot of males that are kind of gatekeepers that are scared to death of women coming in, maybe taking over the place. I, I don't know. So I, I just wanted to uh, 
to start engaging in that conversation so that not only I understand it, but some of the listeners out there understand what's going on. Yeah, I appreciate you taking this on, especially as a white male. I am um. a white male, and, and <laughs> uh, you know, I, I have to be honest too. I have, I, I've used my being a white male to to gain entry, to gain privilege. I've taken advantage of that, and uh, you know, I'm well aware I've done that. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I'm not proud of it, but that is exactly what's happened. Well, I mean, I I believe I have privilege as a white female as well over, you know, women of color at the very least. And I really try hard to use that privilege whenever I can to, you know, lift people up. I'm very lucky to be in a position within the anti-fraud industry, um, especially on the merchant side where I am kind of a a leader of other females. And I really try hard to um, build them up, recommend them for jobs, do all kinds of things. Um, as far as to answer your question, I guess was it, what what was your question first? <laughs> was it? I guess I guess it, what I would do like we to have know. a different experience? Was it how does it work? Like how, well, I mean, I, I, I can talk I about this want, one day. So. No, no, I, I do <laughs> want to know what what your experience is. But what I really want to talk about is: Did you have trouble entering into cybersecurity? Mm-hmm. When you did enter into cybersecurity, what type of gates or were you treated differently than other males? Were you paid differently? Were mm-hmm. you? Uh, did you have to um, try harder to, to have more experience, more education, to do a lot more work to gain the same type of level that males in your environment gained? Not only that, but how your coworkers viewed you. Not only the male coworkers, but maybe the female coworkers that were already established. Did it become some sort mm. of competition between that? I mean, I, I want to know the whole story. I was going to say, that's more than one question. <laughs> I know, like right? 12 in one. <laughs> well, I think um, at least on the fraud prevention side, the majority of us have all entered in it by accident. Um, so I wouldn't say that I had trouble getting into it. I think that people who have a genuine sense of curiosity and sense of justice and um, don't just stop at one thing, they want to keep learning and, and unraveling something until they really find you know the problem and how to fix it. I think those people gravitate towards fraud and they either come from customer service or finance or IT, um, mostly customer service. So I was in that route. I would say that I, I have a great group of girlfriends who are in this industry as well, who are at similar levels as me. And one of them said that she feels like being a woman in the industry means that there's like an invisible fence. And once you get to a certain level, you hit that fence. You don't know where it is, but you feel it. And I would say that, you know, entry level, I didn't have as much issues as I did going into management director, more senior level. Um, I still have that. I mean, I think I told the story in an article that I wrote for CMP after uh, the conference in 2019, because I did a a women's workshop as well as part of the content. But um, I shared the story that after you and I actually got done doing the keynote at Mm -hmm. CMP Expo, and we were the leading keynote, and there were pictures of us all over the hallway and all that stuff. And um, an older gentleman in probably his 60s or so came up to me, patted me on the shoulder and said, good job on your little presentation, sweetheart. Ooh, so Um, sweetheart and and little presentation. Yeah. And I thought, huh, are you saying the same thing to Brett? Cause no, no. Um, he, he also then passed me his business card and said, Oh, I, I also hear that you're the person to talk to about jobs. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to be looking for something new. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's not the way to do it. But right. I don't think he knew better. So here's what I want to say. I don't want to ever come across as seeming like I'm a victim or like I am whining or complaining about the system. I know that that is easy 
to happen. And, and it, I think it's justifiable, but I also think that people tune it out. I think what we all need to do is just kind of take a step back like you have and say, well, gosh, did everyone else have the same experience? And I think it's easy for us to think that, you know, it's almost like, especially if you're born a white male in the U.S., it's almost like you were born on third base. Right. And I think a lot of people just assume that everyone else was too. Um, I feel like I was not born on third base. I was probably born on first base. Um, I do think that I had to work twice as hard um, to get to a certain level. Um, and I still do. I still have, um, you know, men in the industry trying to hijack my you know, my position or my connections are using it for their advantage or, you know, all kinds of stuff. But I try not to focus on that too much. I think that, you know, I really didn't feel a resistance until mid-career. Um, I, I do, though, see a lot of barrier to entry sometimes. So as an example, um, there's a, um, a female leader in fraud prevention for a fairly large merchant who um, has been trying to fill a position for senior manager on her team. She's okay. a director or VP. She has interviewed so many people, a lot, mo like 90% of them are men and none of them have been qualified. They'll talk a big game. They'll say stuff, but when she really gets down to the meat of it, they really do know a lot, but they sure have a lot of confidence about it. Um, she was really stuck and like, I, I don't know who I'm going to hire because none of these guys seem like a good fit. And especially I think, several of them are going to have a really hard time reporting to me because uh, right. they're already talking over me in the interview and they're already, you know, saying that I don't know things and, and I would be their boss. And I said, you know, I kind of am thinking of somebody who is in the same geographic area as you are, who has been working their way up. And when I met them, I just knew that they had that spark and they had that connection and they would be so good for senior leadership. Um, but I, they just haven't had a chance to do that within their own company, but they have right. about six years of experience. So I said, what do you think about this person? And I introduced them and they just connected And the person was a female. Um, I believe a female of color actually. Um, and, uh, they just hit it off and it was awesome. And that woman went into an interview, um, this week and everybody on the team loved her and was like, Oh my gosh, this is the person that we've been waiting for. Now, are we going to have to train her up and grow her into the position? Yeah. But does she have all of the potential and the drive and the passion and, you know, the respect and wanting to learn? Yes. Well, the problem is, is that the senior leader in fraud, her boss wants a man gotcha. um, in the role. And he's been very clear on that. Um, he says he wants someone with authority or he wants, you know, he uses these words. He's not going to just come out and say he wants a man because he knows that that's illegal, but he keeps saying, well, maybe we should repost it. Maybe we should, you know, widen the search. Maybe we should. And it's like, well, but there's somebody here that's qualified. So that's one of many stories. Um, I mean, I could tell a hundred just based on my life, but I think it's better even for other people um, to say that it's just, you know, it's, I do think we have to work harder. And as far as entering it with other women, I would say that I think that the women that were are older than me and that have been in this industry longer than I have. So I've been in it for about 15 years. Um, I'll turn 40 this year and I'm considered a veteran in my industry. <laughs> so that's kind of funny, but you know, it's an emerging industry. So that's what happens. Um, I mean, I've already gotten the equivalent to a lifetime achievement award. And I was like, guys, I plan on doing this for a lot longer, right, right. but um I do feel like, so the very first conference I went to in our industry, there were 250 attendees. It was in 2009 um, and less than 20 of them were women of those 20 um, and women. None of them really wanted to support me, talk to me, anything. It was more seen as competition than anything. Gotcha. 
Um, I think the last four or five years is when there's been a swell of group of women that have kind of sought each other out for camaraderie. Um, you're seeing more and more women events uh, at conferences like Money 2020 and um, MRC and CNP and all of those. Um, so I think that we're getting there to at least have a conversation, but I do think that overall, I think it's just important to look at perspective um, and, and acknowledge that, you know, not everybody has the same experience, um, no, unfortunately, based on gender, race, anything. Yeah. Do, do you think that, um, so, so the competition that you did see from, from other women, do you think that that's simply because you know, they had to fight so hard to get to where they were. Yeah. And then they, they're like, no one's going to take that away from me. I don't know if it was that. I think it was just they were so focused on their own career and survival. Okay. Um, they were pretty hardened. It was just like they weren't super welcoming or warm. Um, right. Or like, hey, let me take you under my wing. Like, none of that. Um, and, th and that's okay. That actually made me stronger and better. And, you know, I've, I, I'm a strong person, so I can speak up for myself. I can fight my own battles. Um, sure. But I, uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, um, yeah, I think that it's a generational thing too. Um, I've definitely seen like the younger women who are um, entering now or who have maybe less than five years experience really seeking out us women that have been in this for a while. And so I, you know, try to be as available to them as possible. No, I, I, I appreciate that. Let me ask you, um, because I, I have an idea, and I'm I'm not sure if this idea is correct or not. But why do you think, why do you think that it is that that the males that are in the industry are so much like gatekeepers? They they do fear or they they take an affront to women, to minorities, to anyone who's not. A white male, and again, I'm not saying it's all white males. It, it, a lot of them. Oh, are no, not I'm, like I'm married to a white male. Like, right, let's get right. this straight. <laughs> I'm not. I don't want anyone to think I'm beating anyone up. <laughs> um, but I also my my husband is so incredibly wise, and his eyes are open to that. He actually reports to a woman for a Fortune 100 company, and um, he's seen a lot of the differences in the way she's treated, and he speaks out about them whenever sure. he can. I actually don't think it's conscious for the most part. I think we can break it down by generational. So the man that called me sweetheart and said that my, you know, keynote that we worked on for months was a little presentation. Right. Um, I, I think he doesn't know any better. Um, that doesn't make it okay. It's just, there's also an unwillingness to learn. Sure. I, I think that the unconsciousness, at least the way I've been treated when I can really tell that there's a bias there is more about wondering if, or questioning our intelligence or questioning our value or questioning um, that I just not seeing that there's also a lot of assumptions. So, you know, there's a woman that works for uh, leads the fraud department for a fortune 500 company. And whenever she um, goes to conferences, she walks around the booths with her team. And she said that the best way to weed out the vendors who she doesn't think would be a good fit is to see who they talk to in her group. Um, and almost always they're directing the men that report to her as they're doing the pitch to him and completely ignoring that she's there. Because I right. think there's just this unconscious assumption that the person in leadership is a man. Um, okay. I also have, you know, had myself questioned a lot. You know, if I say something, maybe everyone ignores it, but then someone else, you know, steals the idea. And then well, how common is that? Oh, very. Okay. <laughs> Even, I mean, I, I run my own consultancy now so that, um, I have a little bit more authority, but it's still 
it still happens. Um, it, it happened on a recent project I had there. Um, my recommendations conflicted with the man who had kind of de facto run fraud for their company before having anyone with expertise in it. Sure. And um, my recommendations conflicted and actually proved that his recommendations would not be the right fit for their company. That wasn't my intention. <laughs> my intention was not to say this guy's an idiot. I was just trying to say, I literally, you know, created a table and compared the solutions and was like, that solution is not only going to cost you more, it's also going to impact your sales, like all these things. Sure. Um, he got so mad that he um, tried to kick me off the project and get fired. Um, and he actually did get the project manager on it fired because right. she was, um, you know, more easily to let go. Um, be, and I kind of joked, like never underestimate the power of a fragile male ego. Um, <laughs> but it really, I mean, he was just angry and, and granted he doesn't live in the U S but still, um, that was definitely, you know, I mean, I, I showed it in black and white, like this is my, um, my recommendation and I stand behind it. Um, right. and so it, it still happens. Um, <laughs> it still happens with, you know, a lot of things, but I try really hard to uh, address it or I'll say, hey, you know, like, how come that, you know, why don't you think that I know very much or, sure. you know, whatever it is, I, I kind of, I'm in a position now where I can call it out more. I think that for like the first 10 years of my career, I was just so focused on working hard that I didn't really pop my head up and see, oh, this feels different than everyone else. But I definitely have rec recognized it now for sure. So. Let me ask you, where, where do you think, I, I want to get your input on that, then I'll tell you what my thing is, and, and maybe, mm -hmm. hell, maybe we're the same on that. <laughs> where do you think that um, that the male dominance, that, that fear that they, that's there, that the, the gatekeeper attitude, the, the sense that, that women are inferior. not as smart, inferior, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, that, they don't, that, they don't, that they don't deserve to, to work in that type of environment, where do you think that that comes from? Oh gosh. I mean, our entire upbringing. I mean, I'm reading an amazing book right now. Um, it's not related to security, um, but it's called Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And mm -hmm. she's one of my favorite authors. I've followed her throughout her life. And um, she talks about how she went into her children's shower and noticed that the girl shampoo bottles were all about being pretty and soft and, you know, all these things. And then the boy shampoo bottles were very strong and go get them and superheroes and fight. I mean, I think that it's just been ingrained in us for so long that we're taught that, you know, men are the strong, smart ones and, and women are the small, quiet, nice ones. And I just think it's, it's been raised in us. Um, I definitely, uh, you know, so I don't fault people for it except for when it, it's continual. I think right. that my ask to, you know, your listeners who have never really considered this perspective before, if they are still listening is just to be open to it, just to think about it. How would you feel if your daughter entered the workforce and every time she had an idea, it was either stolen or shot down? Um, how would you feel if your daughter worked in, you know, your company, uh, would you talk to her the same way that you talk to, you know, um, the women that you talk to, you know, like, I think putting a face on it and thinking, huh, how do I, sure. how do I do this? I think is, is the first start. Um, and that's kind of my perspective. I just think, I think it's a society thing. Um, and I think that it does come from fear. I think that for so long, there's been a hierarchy based on gender and race and, 
that's starting to change. And I do think that that also makes some of the insecure people extra insecure. And that insecurity can make them do crazy things like, you know, <laughs> try to I, steal I would agree. And that's, all ideas, that, clients, whatever. Yeah, you know, I mean, that, that's glory. exactly, uh, that, that's exactly what, what my opinion <laughs> of that is too. I mean, we look back our, at, at least in, in the Christian, Christian society, we, we look yeah. at a, at a male-based culture. I mean, we were told that our God is a white male. Well, we're, and that Eve screwed it all up by right, making a choice. Right. We're, we're told all, <laughs> all of this and mm-hmm. we're, we're brought up. Um, and I don't think I'm that far removed from being just brought up in Eastern Kentucky. But, you know, when I was brought up, by God, it's the male's job to provide for the family. The male's the mm-hmm. savior. You know, it's, and, and a lot of yeah. the time you've got an attitude of the, the, it's the woman's job to be at home. Right. You know, and um, I think that, I think you're right. I think it's just our societal upbringing that's resulted in this. And, and, and we're, we're running a little bit short on time, but what I would like to ask, and I've asked one other person this as well, is what you would say to some of these males that do feel threatened. Mm-hmm. Some of these males that view women as, as inferior, that they don't deserve a place at the table, stuff like that. I'd like to ask what you'd say to those people, but also to, to people who, aren't like that, you know, and, mm-hmm. and to, and to the women as well that are entering into cybersecurity. Yeah. So we can break that down in a lot of ways, but I think that, you know, first to the people who are, who have a affliction to working with women or working for women or, or whatever it is, I, I don't think that it's super conscious. So I guess I would first ask that, you know, everybody think about it. Um, you know, kind of reflect on the way that they, you know, act, think, whatever. I I just, I don't think that most people who are gender biased realize that they're gender biased. That's the first thing. So I think acknowledging it um, and being curious and not being so, I know everything, just, you know, hey, what's it like? I mean, I was so, I I have to say, there are some amazing men in this industry and, and in the world. And um, when I wrote that article, a couple of them were like, I can't believe somebody said that to you about that one thing. And I was like, that's not even that bad. I've had sure. some much worse. I mean, gosh, I, well, this is going on a whole other tangent, but I, and the editor can take it out if you want, but I no, once had a CEO of my company. Yeah. Okay. Well, I once had a CEO of my company put a dildo in my purse and tell me to come back to work the next day with a smile on my face. Well, uh, you know, and so, I'm going to tell you, know. you something, Therese. <laughs> um, it's interesting that you said that because I interviewed a, uh, lady yesterday as well and she has similar sexual type stories mm. of that yeah. so it's, i it's mean not, I, I have several but that's one of them yeah. yeah you're you're not you're not an outlier on that you're not you're yeah. not the unique person on that I, it mm. seems to me that the, especially the, at conferences actually you know but it, it seems yeah. to me that that it's almost it, it's almost this idea that women are still property that you know mm-hmm. you're, that we don't look at the males that are there aren't looking at the skill level of a woman, they're basically yeah. seeing a vagina. <laughs> yeah, or boobs. Yeah. Or boobs. And it's, yeah. it's, it was very interesting you said that because you're not unique in that. And that's, that's one of the things that, that floored me so much when I started looking at this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's just something that we don't talk about. I mean, I, that was you know almost 10 years ago, but it still was just disgusting. And um, I mean, I've had a lot of that at conferences and things like that. I mean, it, um, I have pretty good boundaries and usually my husband travels with me, um, not recently, but he used to. Um, but I definitely know 
women who have been groped, have been grabbed, have been, you know, strongly suggested to come back to a room. There's a lot of layers here and we could talk about it for hours, but I mean, I guess I was really encouraged that people were reacting to even that story, you know, about being called sweetheart because I was like, I got a long list of worse ones. But I think that, you know, those people, what I love is the men who are allies, the men who will speak up for me and say, Hey, did you hear Carice's idea? Sure. Um, the ones who will, um, you know, hire me. I I'm very grateful for all my clients, but I have to say, like, I, I do know that it, it puts me at a disadvantage sometimes that I'm a woman. Um, and I, a lot of times other women are the ones that hire me because they can see past my gender to the unique qualities that I have that can help companies save millions of dollars. I mean, that's really, at the end of the day, I don't want to be seen as a woman. I want to be seen as, you know, I don't want to be seen as a female leader. I want to be seen as a leader. Um, but there are those biases and the unconscious biases that we do have to work against. Um, I think most importantly, what I would want to say to other women, and this is something that's actually been in my heart for a long time, and I really want to sit down and write an article about it, but um, with all of the recent COVID-19 everything, I feel like my regular workload is hard enough to get through, but hopefully hopefully I can still do it in March during Women's Month. Um, but I, I really think it's important that women also recognize their value. I held myself back for years and I think you know that more than right. anyone. You've right. been really encouraging to me to say, hey, like you need to give yourself credit. You need to charge for speaking. You need to do these things. Um, and I think for the longest time, I kind of believe like, oh, I don't really have a lot of value. Um, there's a well-known study and I'm probably going to get it wrong a little bit, but basically that when a man looks at um, a job description and he sees that he you know, meets some of the qualifications, he's going to apply for that job and he's going to go for it with strong confidence and believe that he has it. When a woman looks at a job description, unless she has every single one of the qualities, she won't apply. Um, I think that that's something that, you know, us women, we need to look at and say, well, what am I doing? Like, I'm giving into this too. I'm holding myself back from, but do you, do you think that that, uh, that, that lack of confidence is, is ingrained because of that whole societal foundation? Okay. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think I ever really realized it was because I was a woman until recently, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I question myself. I question my value a lot. I question um, imposter syndrome is just a huge thing that, I mean, when I was told that I was winning the legend of e-commerce fraud award in Israel summer or last summer, I um, was like, I'm not qualified for that. Why would they pick me? Sure. Um, That's a very typical thing for women. I don't think many men have that that stopgap. I think it's just like, Oh, go forward. Sure. That's awesome. Um, and I'm jealous of that. And I, I think that more women need to say, you know what? I have value. Like I can't tell you how many male consultants there are, you know, that, that offer similar services to me that if you were to compare our resumes, I would have twice as much experience with lots of different merchants. Um, but they feel confident to charge way more than I do and <laughs> to, you know, go in and pitch and, you know, do all that stuff. Whereas I don't, I am very fortunate that word of mouth comes to me because I, I don't feel comfortable marketing yet. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that I'm not really good at my job. It just means that 
I am afraid that I'm going to be bragging. And I think that it is a societal thing to say women don't brag, women stay small. Um, and that's something I've, my own messaging from my childhood, I've had to, um, address. And so I've been trying to also encourage other women to take a chance, you know, like the young woman I talked about that had five years of experience that I think is perfect for the senior management position. She was like, are are you serious? Like she really, she was not going to apply until I said, I told the hiring manager, she's, she really wants to talk to you. And she said, well, I I wasn't going to, but my boyfriend said that I really should. And I was like, yes, listen to him. And that, and that female leader who's hiring, she once had to have her husband fill out an application for her or a job application. He actually did it for her. I don't even think she asked him, but he did it for her because he knew that she was qualified, but she questioned her own value. Right. right. So that's the kind of thing that like, I kind of want to make it part of my life's mission in addition to everything else that I care about so deeply to really encourage women to just go for it. Just take a chance. What's the worst that could happen? No, I agree. I agree. I think that's, that's, that's really sage advice and, and hopefully we'll see more of that going on. Uh, I hope so. I mean, I, I've just kind of come into my own the last year. I mean, you know that. Well, you're like, doing outstanding. And, and I'm going to tell you, Chris, you were <laughs> always outstanding. My, well, <laughs> but once I changed my mindset, once I stopped listening to that voice in my head that was like, oh, I don't know. My business tripled. Like I can't, I mean, it's, it's crazy. i you know how underwater I've been lately. Like I am still trying to figure out the time management thing, but, um, cause I want to do all the things, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of what I've done, but I'm also, it's taken me a very long time to say that I'm proud of what sure, I've done. Sure, and I, I know, you know that like behind yeah. the scenes you've been, I mean, shit, it took us over a year to put together the podcast because I was so worried about it. That's true. I just That's felt true. like, oh God, I, I don't know. I don't, uh, I don't know if anyone's going to want to listen to uh, me. It was really me. Um, I, I was totally the person holding us back. I was really scared. I, I felt like, but you know, something I learned is, and it kind of was an aha moment for me is that no one's going to come and qualify me. No one's going to come with a magic wand and say, you are now qualified to do this. Right. You're now qualified to do a podcast. You're now qualified to, you know, help this fortune 100 company save $26 million a year. Like no one's going to tell me that I have to qualify myself. And that's something I, I hope for other women as well. Right. Well, Chris, I want to thank you. I, I really, I really do appreciate you coming on and, and giving your view and insight on this. Um, you know, I, I appreciate I, you talking about this on your podcast. Well, but also, you know, like I, I said, you encouraging me behind the scenes really meant a lot. And I hope I that more men that. do that to other women. I do. I really appreciate it. And like I said, I, you know, I am that white male and I, I, I don't have a viewpoint of, um, you know, the minority struggles, the, the, the gender struggles, things like that, but I'm trying, but you see I'm them. <laughs> That's I, I actually a step. <laughs> I do. I do see them. Um, it's a, it's a step in the right direction for sure. I mean, yeah, that's so. all I think any of us could ask okay. for is just curiosity and trying to help where we can. And I, I would, my last thought would just be, you know, for the white males listening, like reach out to a woman that you know, that you've worked with, not in a creepy way, but you know, <laughs> recommend them, <laughs> recommend them on LinkedIn or, you know, send them a note and just be like, Hey, I, I wanted you to know that like, I really am impressed with you. I, you don't know how much that will mean to them. Um, and how much more that will help, you know, push things. And my biggest thought is, I, I'm sure you've said this, but I think the biggest reason why we need to have so much more diversity in fraud and in cybersecurity is because we're in emerging markets where, or emerging industry where 
we're all trying to figure this out. And the most valuable thing you can have in your company is different perspectives. Um, whether that's gender, whether that's, you know, race, whether that's where people, you know, grew up and came from and all, all those things. It's so important because if everybody thinks the same way, you're not going to fix the problem creatively and you're probably not going to fix the problem. You're absolutely right. Carice Hedrick, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anglerfish Podcast. I appreciate it. If you like it, please subscribe and drop me a line saying hello. Hello is always good. You can reach me direct at brettjohnson at anglerfish.com. That's Brett, B-R-E-T-T, Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-O-N, at anglerfish, A-N-G-L-E-R-P-H-I-S-H dot com. Other than saying hello, feel free to email questions, comments, concerns, or even show suggestions. I respond to every single email I get. And please, tell your friends about us. Rate and review Anglerfish wherever you can. As Anglerfish continues to navigate the dark waters of our online lives, remember, stay safe, stay secure, and stay vigilant.